Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is using AI to gain a competitive advantage with my friends Matt Perry and Kevin Coombs. Matt is the Senior Vice President of Warner Logistics, one of North America's largest transportation companies. Kevin is the Chief Revenue Officer at Greenscreens, a technology platform that provides predictive pricing recommendations so brokers can make better, faster decisions. We are all interested in using AI to get faster, better, and smarter, but it is sometimes hard to differentiate between the hype and the reality. Today, you will get a dose of reality. Matt and the Werner Logistics teams are using AI by green screens to become faster, better, and smarter. Matt shares his experience using green screens predictive pricing platform. So check out our conversation. So how's it going, Kevin Coombs? It's good, Joe. It's good to be back. Good to have you. Hey, Matt Perry, this is the first time on my podcast. Nice to meet you. I'm excited to talk to you two about these this topic. Matt, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Thanks, Joe. First of all, thanks for letting me join. And hopefully somewhere down the road, I can say I'm a repeat podcaster with you, Joe, but this will be my rookie, my rookie turn. My name is Matt Perry. I am from Warner Logistics based here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I have responsibility for uh, all the logistics solutions that Werner brings to market. And so I'm, I'm blessed to have a great team that uh, works really well with, with our customers and carriers and excited to have an opportunity to talk about uh, AI and, and our partners at Greenscreen. Yep. Before we get to that, tell us a little bit about Werner. I've, I've seen their trucks. I know they're one of the bigger trucking companies. Tell us a little bit about who do you guys serve? Who's your sweet spot? Yeah, we've got a, a really strong brand out there that has been in business for 67 years now. Grew up as a trucking company with over 8,000 trucks out there on the road. But really over the last 20 years have branched out our dedicated solutions and now our logistics make up the $3.5 billion business that we have. We cater to successful customers across the spectrum. We're seen as a, a heavy retail hauler. Today, about 50% of our freight is with uh, the large retailers. Uh, but we go to market and work with the CPGs, uh, distributors, across the board, uh, customers, manufacturing, and distribution. Doesn't mean uh, it's only large customers. We've got some that we're working with in a very small scale, but we know that many of those are going to turn into great organizations over the next 10 years. We're willing to get started with them and help solve their, their transportation logistics problems and grow with them as they grow. Awesome. Awesome. Kev, why don't you introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today? Sure. So I'm Kevin Coombs. I am the Chief Revenue Officer at Green Screens A. I am in Kansas City. We are entirely remote. So I think now we have 31 employees in 14 states or something. That effect. So it's pretty crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, green screens, I'll give you a quick background on green screens. So green screens is essentially utilizing market data, our customers load data, freight data, truckload data, internalizing that, cleansing that data. And then we have machine learning models and an AI algorithm that we predict truckload pricing. So it's not an average, it's not, we just don't dump it in a bucket and say, this is the price. It's literally a, a living, breathing algorithm that we're training constantly with all the data that's coming in and, and trying to get to a real-time price on what you would price a truckload lane for. Now, so that's how, so I can buy better? Is that what, is it to buy better or is it to price better? Both. So we work with all of our customers. So primarily today we work with brokers and 3PLs and both sides of the transaction. So both on the carrier sales side, working with acquiring freight at the right quote unquote strike price, if you will. And then also then going back, quoting customers, shippers for the freight to make sure that you're maximizing margins that you're staying. And it's not only about maximizing margins too. We say that a lot, but it's also about getting the right margins, right? So you win the freight. So you're in the market because you could try to put a hundred percent markup on a lane and you're never going to win that lane. So it's about helping both the buy side and that, that sell side to the customer to keep our customers accurate in the market. Yeah. And 
in the olden days, not so long ago, and by the way, this is when I say the olden days, a big chunk of the market is still doing it this way. Probably the majority is they have tribal knowledge. They have guys like Matt, they have guys like Kevin in the room and go, how much for this lane? And how much should I pay for it? How much should I bill for it? And the problem is the market's changed so quickly and you don't always have the guy down the four cubicles down who knows everything. And you're leaving money on the table and you're overpaying sometimes. But beyond that, it's slow and it's inefficient. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's really hard to scale that too, Joe. As, oh, yeah. <laughs> as these businesses get bigger, you need more and more resident experts on every market in order to do that. And that's extremely difficult to do. To your point, I think it's still really important to invest and have quality people because the technology behind it is an enabler and it is it can be a differentiator but the people are still uh, a critical part of our space. And I don't want to undervalue anything that, that our talent, our individuals do, uh, or the team members at Green Screens. But this is about enabling them to, to do it faster, enabling them to do it at scale. And that's really the, that's where the market has drifted over the last five years is the speed of the market has changed dramatically. And so uh, we've all had to, to figure out how to adapt to that changing and much faster paced environment. So before we uh, go any further, I want to re- reiterate at one time, Werner was a trucking company, but that you guys are still a top trucking company. But what I've noticed, I think everybody's in the business has noticed all the trucking companies from the old, you guys have been around 67 years, probably as a trucking company, the majority, almost all that time, of course, but all those companies started developing brokerages and 3PLs. And now, I've just said it before we hit record. I think some of the very best brokerages are attached to trucking companies because they truly understand the business. They probably started it to say, we need backhauls. So let's let's start a brokerage. And those, and then you look at a trucking company and say, well, normally if you're going to invest, you're going to invest in more trucks. Not so. You see, to them, they're obviously investing in new trucks, but also investing in the latest tech because it's necessary. Yeah, Joe, I I this will be a little self-serving as a trucking company and, and a logistics company. Of course, I'm going to say it that way, but I, I certainly believe one of the huge advantages that we bring to market is the, the history, the knowledge, the understanding of what it takes to be in this space. We buy 2,500, almost 3,000 trucks a year. We sell those trucks. We are you know, waking up with 10,000 drivers in our fleet. And so hiring and talking to those drivers every day, my team members get an opportunity to really understand at the ground level what it takes to be in this space. And we think that puts them in a great position to be able to relate to our customers, our carriers, and to be able to cross the lines and be in a position where we can um, we can understand this space and be more effective in solving our customers' problems because of it. Yep. So I want to level set anyone who doesn't know what dynamic pricing is before we get into the conversation here, Matt. So my layman's view of this is the very best companies in the space, the uh, wrong way to say it, the largest companies, the CH Robinsons, the Echoes, they've all invested in dynamic pricing, either with your company or built it internally. And there's 20 some thousand freight brokers out there. If they want to compete, they are going to have to get a dynamic pricing tool. That's how I look at it. And I think it seemed like the first time I've, I think I talked to Dallin Salvucci, Fabio, your CEO, president, I was like, what are you doing? I was, I was shocked, but I guess after I talked about it, I was like, okay, this makes sense. But one more time, how does dynamic pricing work? And then also what percent, and this doesn't put you on the spot here, what percentage of companies are using it? I know all the top guys are, but what percent of the overall market's using it? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think it's a smaller percentage than you'd realize. I, I think the idea behind dynamic pricing is what I already described, right? The market is moving and there's n- numerous characteristics, right? That affect the price of a truck. And those variables can change constantly from low Outwardly. to low, from shipper to shipper. Yeah, the capacity can change. The supply demand conditions can change. Fuel has been going up constantly for weeks. All of these things are going to affect that Chicago to Dallas lane, right? Just as one single example. And I think traditionally what people did was they went back and looked at what did people pay yesterday? What did people pay last week? 
that's clearly not dynamic, right? It's clearly not real time. It's not reacting to what's going on in the market, the blizzard that's coming in or something else. And so with real-time pricing, with dynamic pricing, what we're trying to accomplish is when that broker needs to move a load, when that customer needs to move a load, they know what that price is today. And beyond just the real-time aspect of it, the other piece of that is crucial is it's not just a market rate. You need to know what you pay, <laughs> right? You need to have a, a relation to what you pay in Chicago to Dallas versus the next broker, right? Or the next carrier. Right. So if I'm talking like Warner's going to be able to buy a lot better than I can, right? Because they're Warner. Maybe not. Yeah. It just depends on what freight Warner's moving, right? Matt can probably elaborate on that. Yep. So let's talk about that, Matt. So you guys are using green screens yeah. and a company like Warner could obviously say, you had to go through a process. You could say, we're going to build it internally, or we're going to hire some outside company to create this from scratch, or there was other companies. What problem were you looking to solve first off? And then how did you go about picking a supplier like Green Screens? Yeah. So two, two very good questions. So for, first and foremost, we've prided ourselves as an organization on being a technology leader, really from our heritage. We were the first to do onboard logging, and so we've always seen ourselves as trying to be on the front end of that. That was maybe easier 25 years ago when tech and innovation was going a little slower than it does. Now it's moving at light speed. What we've really recognized over the last five years or so are there are things that really make sense for us to invest in that are going to be strategic advantages. And there are other things that are keep the lights on. They're critical to run the business, but they're not differentiated whether it's a human capital management or a financial accounting or even a TMS, those are core capabilities you need to be able to do. But we looked at things like uh, a dynamic pricing and we said that needs to be unique to Werner. That needs to be differentiated to Werner. So we've partnered with strategic partners across many of the platforms, as I said, human capital or financial or even TMS and got great partners there that are bringing their technology into it. But for for the dynamic pricing, we looked at it more as we need a partner to build this together, to grow and solve this problem that's unique to Werner, because we don't know that we can do it ourselves. And we think there are some great partners out there. As we began to look around the space, it became pretty evident that Green Screens for us was the partner we wanted to work with. There's a lot of things that go into selecting a partner. There's all kinds of metrics and details and data-driven components of it, but it's also about the individuals, the organization that you're going to work with and the belief that you guys have common interests and beliefs long-term in solving that problem. And so for us, that's one of the drivers of finally selecting uh, green screens to do it. This is really a combination of a build and buy because our dynamic pricing engine is leveraging a lot of the technology that green screens brings to us. But it's not going to be the same application that somebody else that partners with green screens that might use them somewhere else. It's going to be different because it's not going to have Werner's history and knowledge of the carriers we selected. It's not going to have some of the same algorithm choices that we tend to, to build uniquely. But it is going to be a partnership between the two. And that's why we believed that that was a common vision that green screens had. And it's, it's why we're investing the way we are in this dynamic pricing. Yep. Kev, I'll ask you this one. There's all sorts of data sources out there that I can buy. I can say, hey, guys, I, we can name three or four companies right now that we could buy and say, what does it cost to go from Dallas to Chicago, Dallas to Tampa? And I could say, I'm going to load all that in. That's market data. But Matt was saying they're using Werner's data. So does green screens use one or both of those? We use both. I think the key, one of the key things to Matt's point is that it's not just a matter of what the market's doing. It's also a matter of what they're doing internally. So when we build models for green screens, we build a model for the customer. Each customer on green screens has their own model. Why model like machine learning model, right? The way we're feeding the data and the filtration of it, the cleansing of it, what is actually training the AI, right? And how that comes out when it predicts the rates. And then we have network models, which are standard. Right. So all of our customers were included feed the network. So we leverage all of that data. So we actually have about 
I think $22 billion worth of truckload data now. And the point is, right, like Matt was saying, like they could go out and build this. Werner doesn't have access to the rest of that data. And we're not giving them access to raw data necessarily, but we are giving them access to the models that are utilizing that raw data, that are utilizing that market-related data to make those decisions. It's not just about getting a lot of data. It's about the characteristics and the variables in the data. I actually just posted something on LinkedIn today. It was a new analogy that I, I just came up with. And I was like, I don't walk into a store and, and get double mint gum and Tic Tacs and toothpaste and take to the register and say, they all freshen my breast. Let's just average this out. I'll pay that for each of these. So that doesn't, <laughs> right. doesn't make any sense. So why, why would you do that with a truckload from Chicago to Dallas? There's different commodities, different requirements, different shippers, different dock requirements and, and timeframe requirements. Those are all variables that we take into account from both Werner and the rest of the market to determine what those prices and those models entail when we're predicting that price. And if you don't do that, if you're just linking into data, just raw data, without the context, it's not that helpful. You'll get directionally correct, but not any sort of accuracy. Right. Yeah, Joe, I'll add to that. I've been in this business a few years. You can judge it from the gray hair. The margin and the business looks a lot different than it did 10 years ago. The competitive nature of the space, the scale of the business, there's a lot of things that have continued to evolve and change. The overall margin in the business has gotten narrower. The days of 15, 18% margin are long over at any scale. And so what you have to do is you got to be way more precise. And as that narrow, as that margin narrows, you've got to be way more precise. And to Kevin's point, I think all of us are trying to say, look, how do I take that Delta down to plus or minus a percent? Because I no longer can miss by three or four or 5% and and run a successful business, especially in the public space. You just can't do that. And so that, that market intelligence, that data is so critical because your gap or your margin for a mistake is significantly different than it was just a handful of years ago. Yep. So do you get it, do you get into your system right now through, from the models? Here's what the overall market pays for Chicago to Dallas. And here's what we typically pay for this, according to just the internal Werner data, we pay five percent less than that yep we we are our output is going to give us what do we think the market is what do we think we've historically bought at what do we think it needs to be bought at as we go as we look at tomorrow and and the next couple days so that we're in a position to enable our our people to make the best decision they can but to the point we made earlier it's still there's still people in the desk that are involved in the process because we believe that that no two loads are exactly the same and they they do at times need personal connection to it too so yeah right now we're in a down market and that could last we're talking on october 10th this could last for sure the rest of this quarter we're, we'll have our i'm going to say peak season's not going to feel like peak season and then we're going to get into the first and maybe even the second quarter before things turn around this is a very difficult times when we have these 18 month downturns and to miss by a little bit on a whole bunch of lanes, <laughs> it's the difference between staying in business and going out of business. Not that that's going to be a problem for Werner, but you're not just trying to scrape by. You're trying to continue to grow and be one of the best trucking companies and logistics companies out there. Yeah, I think we're all reinvesting in the business with the goal of long-term continuing to grow and offer new solutions for our customers. And if if you can't you generate a profit, it's really hard to reinvest back in the business. And so we do, we don't need to apologize. We do need to make a buck in this business to make it reinvestable. All of our talent, our people out there want career opportunities and growth. And I think all of us know that things aren't getting any cheaper at the stores. So at the end of the day, you've got to find ways to continue to drive up productivity, enable those individuals to be successful. And we think the dynamic pricing is something for us that is critical for our continued success. Yeah. And by the way, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Dynamic pricing, especially when you buy from green screens, is the next killer app. I think we saw visibility, by the way, 10, 15 years ago when everybody first saw a TMS, they're like, oh my God, look at this. This solves all our problems. We will never have a problem again because we have a TMS. And then we had all these 
platforms or apps, whatever you want to call them, that connected. And the MacroPoint, Four Kites, Project 44, as these tools came online, we looked and said, oh my God, that is a killer app. I think that's table stakes now. I think everybody who's going to get visibility has visibility. This to me is the next killer app and not everybody's investing in it right now. The very best, the top 100 freight brokers, they will get it. They will either get it from green screens or they'll develop themselves or stupidly choose someone else, Matt. <laughs> but but the mid-market and even the bottom of the market should be investing in this because you're going to be competing. You already are competing against people who have it. I think the key there is that it's something that Matt just said is like margin compressions. And beyond that, and you talk about the down market show, as your costs go down, we flatlined in rates, right? It's since really like last August, really earlier, probably last year or July was the peak. And then it just came down, down, down the last couple of years. And then we hit the bottom and it stayed there. And you could be moving the same amount of volume but with a lower cost. And it's not even just about margin compression in terms of competition. It's just a, it's just a fact of economics, right? You, you're paying less for a truck. 15% now is, is a lot less than it was last year in terms of your margins. And so you, you can't just turn around and charge 50% just to, to make up for the, the lack of the market forces pushing it down. But like, it's about staying ahead of that. So Right now, I feel like a lot of our customers, they're, they're on green screens. It's not like we're a silver bullet and we're making them a ton of money. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not what we're in business to do anyways. We're not here to say, hey, we're going to make you all this extra margin. And you're going to win all these extra loads. It's really about, at this point, cash flow and staying out of the market to make sure you're in the right place. The market will turn around or it won't, and then we're all in trouble. But that's a wider problem. But you want to stay relevant right? You want to stay in the right place with your margins, with your costs, so that as the market does turn around, you're still maintaining really good service and really good cash flow in your business to, so that you can start capitalizing on that margin later. So I think with dynamic pricing, that's one of the keys. It's not just up markets, it's down markets. You need to be able to react both directions. Yeah. The cost, we were talking about this before we hit record, companies like Warner using technologies like yours, are are reducing their transaction costs. Their internal costs are going lower. So it always reminds me years ago when I was still selling LTL services, I remember lost a whole bunch of business to somebody. And I was like, God, how'd we lose this? And they sent back, oh yeah, because they were friends. I'm like, Joe, here's what we bought, ended up buying it for. And it was below my cost. I was like, wait, wait a sec. How are they lower than my cost? I figured it was some backhauls and some other stuff. But that's where we're heading. If you're one of those companies who says, we're old school, we don't need all that technology, you're going to find that you can't compete on price at some point because the guys who've invested in technology can do it faster, better, and less expensively. I think cost and speed. Our customers are expecting faster and faster responses. Heck, even look at the bid cycle. The bid cycle 10 years ago looked drastically different than it did even a couple of years ago. And a couple of years ago, there was, was an annual bid cycle for a huge percent and they kept a small percent, kept it in the spot market. And now it's not uncommon to have quarterly bid cycles going through with customers, right. et cetera. And so the technology, the amount of time that gets spent on evaluating those and providing pricing and even implementing just to turn around again is it's just changing so rapidly. And if you're not engaging technology, whether that's green screens or maybe somebody else, it is extremely cumbersome on your business. Cost to execute in our space is a critical uh, KPI that all of us have to measure. So we're constantly looking at what things can we do that can drive down that cost to execute and provide a, a differentiated service product. Because lower cost to execute and bad service doesn't win anything. So it's got to be a low cost to execute and a premium service product. So I want to talk a little bit about implementation. We all have been through long, arduous, painful technology implementations. And it, it comes up on my podcast a lot because in the past, it was, oh yeah, I need to connect these two two technologies and I have to find a guy and he wants $10,000 a week 
and he won't be available for three months and it's going to take him three months to do it. And the industry won't tolerate that anymore because we all have an expectation that it's going to be much easier than that. I'll ask Matt first, then I'll ask Kevin to jump in and talk a little bit about how that implementation went of implementing green screens. I'll tell you the the implementation, I don't want to say it was a non-event, but it was really smooth for us. We ran side by side for a little while and just to validate that that the algorithms and the information seemed to to be the output and integrations within our system were were working right. But if anything, it was a, a little change management on our team around getting that getting the output and that looking at that that recommended data and price and then you know converting the old guys like me that would say that can't be the price and then you really show them in depth and they it doesn't take long for them to realize holy cow that is really that is what it was going to cost me today or what it's going to cost tomorrow etc so there's the user acceptance piece but for us it the integration was very smooth and so we applaud green screens and and i I have to applaud our own it team for doing a very effective job in it Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So, Getting back to it, before you go, Kev, when you start using green screens, is that pull the, the data from green screens and put it into your TMS? So do you see that their information all of a sudden in, in each of those transactions? Yeah, you see a recommended sell price or buy price yeah, within our TMS. Very nice. Kev, your two cents on the implementation. Yeah, Matt actually beat me to the punch. I was going to commend the Warner team. Actually, I was actually very impressed throughout the process with the change management, right? They had a really good team. I'll give some shout outs to like Nunu and and Patricia and Julia Holt and all of them that worked with us in that transition period. One thing that we talk about a lot is, is something that Matt just mentioned, and it's you need, it's not just buy a technology and bolt it on, right? You got to have change managers internally. You have to have a commitment to that change. Otherwise, you're just asking to fail. It's one of our data guys, Sean, has a funny thing that he always says. He's, yeah, some of these people, man, I give them the shovel or I give them a backhoe to dig a hole and they just go pick up the shovel. They just go right back and pick up the shovel. He's, what are you doing, man? We're proving it to you. You've seen me dig the hole with the backhoe. Why are you picking the shovel up? And so it's it does take some transition and, and old habits die hard. Green screens is relatively new to the market. This idea of dynamic pricing, this idea of reactive real-time pricing is newer to the market. And so you do have to incentivize your team and, and push your team to, to make that change so that it takes hold and it adopts. And it's ongoing. It, it isn't just a one time we're done, everybody's good, we're all using it. You got to continue to advance the training and Make sure that new people that you're bringing in understand the technology, understand the tools that they're being given to make that decision. And Matt mentioned it earlier too. It's for us at Green Screens, it's not like machine or man, right? It's both. It's this is a service industry. You got to talk to customers. You got to deal with a lot of things that computers aren't very good at, which is empathy and sympathy and <laughs> dealing with problems and exceptions. Computers aren't great at that, right? Because exceptions assume something happened that went wrong, right? Computers only know what you teach it. So the human element of that is is a huge piece of that implementation process, right? Because you got to get the people to see this as decision support, making them stronger, better, faster than they were yesterday. Yep. If I could add, this is a common theme on my podcast lately about technology implementations is we've all been through that implementation fatigue where you go... Yeah, we're supposed to launch on June 1 and then July 1, then August 1. And we finally launched it October 1st and we're all exhausted. And I got to get, I have a day job, believe it or not. I have to go back to it. And what tends to happen is we implement the bare minimum and we don't get the full impact of that technology. So I like what you both said about 
this is an ongoing commitment to making this better. So if it, you launch, you don't say, launch, good, Matt, I'll talk to you next year when we got to renew. Nope, this is <laughs> ongoing. Yeah, here, I'll comment on a few of the things that, that Kevin said. You're 100% right. The, this was a bottom-up, not a top-down initiative. This was driven by team members that are involved in pricing and solution design and work hand-in-hand with our team. They were the ones that were looking for help. And so they were involved in the green screens evaluation. They were involved in the implementation. And so there's been buy-in from the very beginning. But then the second part of it is this is, for us, it's a journey. This is step one. And our desire is to continue to learn through this process and enable it and make it more effective and more efficient as we go forward. And then to continue to scale it. I mean, we have a lot of other businesses here within Werner, and there are going to be opportunities for dynamic pricing in our intermodal space and in other solutions here. And so the more we can challenge and work with our partners at Green Screens to help solve other problems, we're going to do that because the right vendor and partner finds common problems and builds solutions for them. Now the million-dollar question. (laughs) Results. What results did you see from implementing green screens? So so I'll say first, the best result from my perspective is we had buy-in right away. We had uh, acceptance (laughs) in a very, very quick period of time. Yeah. We've done lots of reports and follow-ups around how accurate it is to, and what the tolerance is. But at the end of the day, What makes a difference is, does the team believe it every day? Are they using it in the decisions that they have? Or can you look and and see that they're making personal decisions outside of the recommendations of green screens? And for us, the acceptance is extremely high. So we sped up the process, we enabled our team, and we have high user acceptance. And so that's really how we're uh, measuring it versus some scorecard that says it's a 87, but you can find all kinds of complaints on both sides. We got high user acceptance and we've sped the process up tremendously. And so that's, uh, that's acceptance for us. So am I wrong to say this? I'll ask you this, Kev. Am I wrong to say this? If I like it in the beginning, I'm going to really like it in a year because it's getting smarter every day. That's what AI does. Yeah. If you, it, back to our point, if you adopt it and you make the change management and you commit to it, because the more data we can get, the more of an idea that we understand the, all the variables of the business and the characteristics of the business and the AI learns this. And so yeah, one thing that we do, and, and Matt mentioned this, is like the accuracy. So we prove it. That's a huge part of statistical analysis and data is you can't just give a number and say, trust us. We show Werner exactly what they booked a load for and what we predicted at the time that they were booking that load and, and how close we were. And we give them the margin of errors. And that's, it's the same function that we use to train the AI. It's how it learns. The closer it gets to the bullseye, the better it, it understands, okay, what did I do here? What, what did I do here that got me that close in this market or that region with this freight or that shipper? And so that is incredibly important. I've, I've been reiterating this to people, not just about green screens, but about any technology that you adopt, you should ask the question, right? Can you, can you prove it to us? Right. And by prove it, I don't mean, are you going to make us more money? Are you going to get us more loads? It's proving that the, what we're providing to you, the technology, the AI, the predictions, the data analytics, whatever it is, is true that it works. Right. Um, And and that's what we do Uh, in every single process with every single customer. We're going to measure those results and then give reporting on how those results came out in the wash. And I think that helps with that adoption that Matt was talking about, right? And that that user adoption. Matt, do you have have some sort of report that you look at and say, here's what the system recommended we buy for. Here's what we actually bought for. And then... Yeah, absolutely. We have a team of people within our group that are both working on the front end around the accuracy of the information and looking at the detail that Kevin talks about and are we seeing improvements within it. But also we're digging into the exceptions to try to make sure we understand why did somebody either not use it or why was it off and what can we learn from that situation? 
we're in a rapidly growing business. We, we made an acquisition a year ago with another company, Reed um, TMS based out of Tampa. We're in the midst of integrating that business within our platform and system. That's a new data set for us of new origins and new, even commodity types. So there are going to continue to be learning opportunities as we bring that scale to the business. And so you need to have a team that it's invested in constantly looking and uh, working with it. I think the, the best part for us is that the user acceptance on the outside is very high. So that group, there's a lot of trust that's going in both the tool, but also in the team that's digging into any of the exceptions and figuring out why that happened. And then what, what do we need to do to adjust to make sure that we don't repeat that issue over and over? And so that's how we approach it. So I want to ask you this, Kev. So I'm just, I'm going to plug in human nature here for a second. Um, Matt mentioned exceptions. I, I should have paid $3,000 for that lane, according to green screens, but I paid 30 when old Matt says, Hey, why'd you spend an extra hundred bucks? I'm going to say to Matt, that's what I had to pay. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> and, and then Matt goes, Oh, maybe green screens was wrong. And again, it's not, we're, we're not creating models that are perfect. They will be very close to perfect over the time, but how do you deal with that kind of thing in general, not just at uh, Warner, but across all your customers? Yeah, there's a certain, with any model, with any prediction, there's a certain level of tolerance. And this isn't new. I, I think this is newer to our market because of the way that our market works. But if you look at like the stock market, you get hedge fund traders, you look at Forex traders or commodity traders, they've been doing this stuff for years around that, that margin of error, what is acceptable and how close they can get to those numbers and those predictions. We show them those also. <laughs> And we're way off. We give them all the outliers. That's part of tuning the models. With an unassisted AI that like we use for predictive analysis, we don't go in and tweak the algorithm. The algorithm tweaks itself. And so what we can tweak though, is the models and the data that's being fed to it to teach it. And there are going to be instances where like Matt just mentioned, they bring in read TMS. It's new variables. So it's new business. It's, it's new freight. And there's going to be different characteristics. So we might have to go back and we might have to pull some of those levers, right? And adjust some of those filtration effects and the data that we're using in the models to get back to that accuracy that we were at before or improve upon the accuracy that we had. But looking at those outliers, looking at the other end of the spectrum is just as important as looking at how close you got as well, right? The, this is probably a good point to make just like in the inverse, right? You should absolutely expect that your technology provider or AI provider, whoever can pr prove the data analytics, the opposite being, it shouldn't be 0%. <laughs> if they're showing you 0%, they're lying to you because <laughs> there's no, that's right. not possible, right? Like you, you can't get to net zero. That's not possible. What you're talking about is artificial intelligence has a learning curve, but so do humans. So the difference is. At some point, humans hit a status quo and just, we don't necessarily, if you're in the same job five years later, you're probably not making the same improvement in year five that you were in year two and three. Um, so it's interesting to me that what you described is there has to be a certain level of trust when you're implementing this. You go, yeah, because we're honing it in. We're getting better every day. So you, it, when you start, you go, yeah, there's some off, there's some outliers here. But over time, in a year, it's going to be so much better. Am I wrong to say that? You guys both answer that one. Oh, I, I can start, Matt, just real quick. I think there's always going to be outliers, right? Because exceptions are going to happen that are unaccounted for. There's going to be drop-dead loads that you didn't know you had to cover. You're just trying to keep that large customer happy. There's no way for us to predict things like that at green screens. We can't predict everything, right? If we did, I wouldn't be selling it. I'd be rich. I'd be really rich. <laughs> would be selling it to Werner. It's, it's about that process, right? Of understanding where those outliers are, making adjustments if you can, but understanding, like Matt said, where some of those are just exceptions, right? There's just things that popped up or things that happened. Yep. Matt? We have brokers of scale, whether they start as five, five employees in an office or 500, you're going to have, you're going to have individuals that, that buy extremely well in a market and you're going to have those that are always the ones that seem to buy $200 higher, et cetera. So you're going to, you're going to manage that. And I think the AI uh, component of it is help us get there faster, help us understand quicker where the exceptions are. We're always going to have them, but help us 
identify them and look to rectify and resolve. And then the second thing is um, people are a valuable component in our business. If I can help my team price twice as many and win at a higher percentage, I've enabled my team and I've made that investment worth it because our talent is our biggest investment in the business. Technology is extremely important and it can't do it without a technology, but we are still a, a people business. We wake up every day and recognize that there's got still a, an individual driving that truck and there's somebody that's got to receive it at the back end. And our space and transportation is going to take bodies and people for a long time. So how do we find technology and tools that just make our people better? And in this particular case, dynamic pricing is, is helping us make our decisions and our people more powerful. Yep. So you said there, there was this acceptance of it right away. So you th- said this is the first big win and you just started to touch on speed and accuracy. Have you seen an increase in the speed of each transaction and is the accuracy of what they're buying for? buying and selling is the accuracy there. Yeah, we're still relatively early in the process. So I don't have a 12 month learning curve uh, yet with green screens. What I can say is in the first 90 days, we have seen improvements, the accuracy, the tolerance is continuing to improve. So we are, we are making process progress there. It's tough to gauge the, the volume because we're in a pretty tough market right now. And this is a time of year when transaction count, especially on the spot market side, is a little bit smaller than what any of us would like it to be from that side. So I think we're going to need a longer window. I think we believe strongly that it's going to get us to the right price quicker. And the people that are using it today are there, but we haven't woken up yet where it has doubled productivity or uh, something there. But we certainly see a line of sight that's got significant improvement in productivity and uh, a smaller margin of error. Yep. Kev, I'll ask you this one. I hear it all the time on my podcast, and I believe this to be true. You talk to a lot of freight brokers, a lot of TMS, a lot of 3PLs. Is it your sense that we'll be doing more and more transaction per person every year? So I, in, 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 are we going to see a time, let's just say a year or two, where somebody says, I used to do 30, 30 loads a, a week. Now I do 300 because of the technologies I'm using. I think that's the goal. <laughs> that's where we'd like to go. Uh, it's something interesting that you said, right? We, we don't just talk to brokers and 3PLs. We talk to TMS providers. We talk to automation vendors. We probably have 65 to 70 partners that we're working with right now to integrate our solution into four different stages of the freight process, right? Because there's a whole transaction of and chain of events, right? That goes through from talking to the customer, winning the freight, getting the carrier, dispatching it, tracking it, all the way through to delivery and through different stages of that process. Pricing is important, but there's other things as well. So you'll like this, Joe, as an old auto guy. I think about it like an engine, right? We're an engine, but we may not machine the exhaust pipes, right? like the oh, plug yeah. into it, right? We might we don't mold the body panels and then paint them for you. That's not what we do, right? We're not going to put together the entire car by ourselves. Those parts come from different places. And when they work together, the idea is improved fuel efficiency, horsepower, whatever it may be. And so I think that's another increasingly important part about all this is we just, it's not just moving more transactions by pricing more freight. It's also getting the quotes out faster. It's also finding the carriers quicker and the brokers and the three pills and the tech providers that are going to win, that are going to make that process work and make it more efficient, go from 30 to 300 are the ones that are willing to partner. They're not one size fits all. They're not doing it all themselves. They're not, it's going to be partnerships and and data integrations and and process integrations that are going to make that happen. Yep. Absolutely. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about data analytics, Matt, I know your company, we have all those trucks. You still run on data, right? Does this give you a lot more data to look at when you get dynamic pricing? I think accommodations. So our data is extremely valuable to us and understanding both our trucking operation data and our logistics data, visualizing that and using that to help drive decisions is it, it's critical to, to the business that we're in today. 
But I also think partnering with green screens and getting anonymized data that they have access to that's not Warner data to help drive and allow us to make smarter business decisions is an important additive uh, component of it. Certainly, we value the fact that it's not just our data and looking at our data, but it's also taking into account other industry data and uh, using that to help enable our team members to make to make good decisions. Yep. Matt, why don't you talk about that? What do you call it? Atomized? Say that, anonymized? Anonymized. But basically, you make you guys have all that data and you make it anonymous. Yeah, so you're not sharing Werner's data with some before, other right? company and vice versa. Talk about that for a second. And the goal that you have, right? There, there used to be that concept of big data back in the day, right? Everybody was just trying to capture everybody's, take everybody's data. And it was just about owning the data and having exclusivity over it and selling it to people. That's just not what we're interested in. It, it doesn't serve us any purpose because we have a technology. It's not about the data. It's about the technology that we're training it with. And to do that, we have to have the buy-in from our customers. We have to have you know, our customers willing to share that data with us. How do you do that without betraying their confidence, right? Without giving away their secret sauce or what have you. And so it's a process of anonymizing that, only using it to train the AI. It's not about giving, taking learners carriers and then going and, and showing somebody else where those carriers are so they can go book. Right. Like that, that, that just doesn't make sense because that, that takes away from the capacity and the supply that Werner has. And so our goal is to really get our customers buy in so that we can create a, a better market. Right. In the long run. And then that's what I was talking about with data sharing and integration. Right. It's this is also my other new buzzword is like defragmenting the freight market. It's so fragmented. There's all these carriers, owner operators, contract, large carriers, small carriers, you have all these brokers, you have freight forwarders, you got ports, you got rail terminals, but all these things, right? And there's a lot of data silos. Like how do you unlock that? How do you get that together so that someone like green screens or somebody else that's doing something with AI for another tool for the freight industry can get access to that data and utilize it to improve upon those models to make them more efficient? And that comes with trust. You got to anonymize it. You're not sharing it. You're using it to power the technology. And I, I think that's the most important piece. One of the most important pieces of what we do is like all of our customers share data with us, but they trust that we're not just giving that out freely, right? And we're not taking exclusivity over it just to sell it to other people. Yeah, exactly. So let's wrap this bad boy up. I know I've taken probably more of your time than I'm supposed to. Matt, final thoughts on the topic, which is really just how do we become more competitive using AI and dynamic pricing. Yeah, I think there were a lot of good topics as we went through here and, and the commitment to empower and enable our people, um, whether it's using uh, dynamic pricing or all the other tools uh, that we put in the hands of those individuals. It's an innovative and fast-changing uh, space. And what you're doing today won't work five years from now. You're going to have to continue to innovate. And so we appreciate the partnership with Green Screens. They're making our pricing and our decisions better. And we look forward to continuing to evolve that as we go forward. And you'll see the Warner brand continue to scale in the logistics markets. Look forward to, to being back on here at some point when, when we've got the next innovation to share with you, Joe. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. Kev, final thoughts. Yeah, I, talking about AI, talking about efficiency, we're here. It's here. Like there's no going away from this now, right? We've had huge advancements in AI and machine learning over the last few years, and it's not going anywhere. And so embracing that is going to be increasingly important. When you think about just green screens and dynamic pricing and, and like what Matt said about enabling their people to be more effective, uh, I use the, the, uh, the simple analogy of a calculator. You don't sit there and do math on your hands. <laughs> you don't sit there and do complicated math problems on a sheet of paper or a spreadsheet anymore. You, you, you do it in a computer or on a calculator. And there's a reason for that because computers are, are faster at computing and processing data. Everybody wants to believe they can multitask. It's humanly impossible. You can't do 10 things at once and process 10 streams of data at once to do that. And AI can, machine learning can, because computers can be hooked up to several different processors run through that data, model that stuff up really quickly with billions or trillions of data points. And so I think that the key for anybody, and especially in our industry, is embrace it. Get technologists, get the right people in your organization and learn and embrace it and be ready for the change. I think that's going to be increasingly important. 
Yeah, I love that. And by the way, I just said this the other day to somebody. I love key performance indicators. And I used to say, still do, only the best metrics grow up to be key performance indicators, right? And why do I want key performance indicators? Because I can only keep track of five things in my, my, my little brain, right? But if you're AI, you're like, no, go ahead, give us, you got 80 metrics, give them to us. We'll use them. And if I give them to the, the average human, you're like, this is overwhelming. You just gave me, <laughs> you gave me a spreadsheet that I can't use. AI is, oh, awesome. Give me more. So yeah. I, I think we have to embrace that and go, yeah, we we have built, and the key performance indicator is just one place. We have built a world around our limited abilities. And now with AI, and they say, give us all the metrics, not just some of them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I couldn't be more excited for the time that we're in today because the amount of, of people energy that can be focused on really solving problems versus doing tasks and doing processing data is changing. And we want solution providers. We want problem solvers. We want enabled individuals that can connect with our customers and our carriers and being able to find tools that that leverage what they shouldn't have to do and allow them to do what they're best at doing is really what, what Warner is focused on. And we're excited to, to continue to proceed down that journey. Awesome. Awesome. So Matt, Kevin, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you guys, people who are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview? Matt, you go first. I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of really smart and capable people. We're doing, investing a lot right now with Mastery and a name that everybody in this space is going to know with Jeff Silver and his team developing a cloud-based TMS that's really a portfolio for the large providers, the truckload and logistics providers is very innovative right now. And we find that there's a lot going on in that space that's going to really empower us over the coming years. So if you haven't interviewed Jeff in a while, I would tell you Jeff Silver would be a great connection for your for your podcasters. I would love that. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profiles, each of yours, and I'll put a link to your website so people can reach out and talk to you guys. Talk to Kev about dynamic pricing. Talk to Matt about your logistics and transportation needs. Thanks, Joe. Cool. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank both of you so much for coming on my podcast. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.